Praise Jesus. Let's just pray. Precious Father, I want to thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity, Lord, that I have of preaching your word to your precious children. Father, it's a wonderful opportunity, but a massive responsibility and a heavy weight to carry, Father. And so I put all my trust in you, Lord, not in self. I know where I was when I found you. I was nothing. I know nothing without you, but I know there's nothing I cannot do with you. So I trust in you, Lord, that you will speak through me your word carried by your anointing, Father. Let it be spirit. Let it be life. Let it change and transform the hearts and the lives of your people. And I'll be very careful, Lord, to give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory for everything accomplished, Lord. This is your word, not my own. I thank you for the privilege. I bind everything, Lord, in me that will try to steal your glory. I bind all pride. I clothe myself with humility. I bind self-agenda. I bind self-promotion. I bind self, Lord. I become less. Please become more. Speak through me, according to Matthew 10, verse 20. Be glorified, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Say this after me. I declare that my spiritual ears are open and my heart is receptive to receive only that which you, Holy Spirit, are saying today. Holy Spirit, speak to me. I am listening. Amen. So, family, we we starting a new uh, series today. It's called the DNA of faith. The DNA of faith. You guys excited about it? Did you enjoy the last series? Who of you didn't um, listen to or watch uh, the number one priority as a Christian? Just wave at me. Antieta? No, <laughs> really, I didn't expect that one. <laughs> You've got to watch it. <laughs> who, who, who else? Who else hasn't seen it? Just wave at me. The rest of you have seen it. Just a few of you. How many of you can agree that, that listen, if there's any message you're going to listen to in your life, it's that one? Hey, can I have a big amen? amen. Listen, if there's any message, if, if, if there's any one message that is, is like really, really crucial, it's that message. And I really encourage you to, to listen to that. So family, we, my wife and myself, have been very privileged to pray for people um, around the country and even international in all walks of life. We pray for pastors, we pray for, for people who have been involved in ministry, we pray for, for pastors and church leaders and, and people who, who, who function within the church leadership group and really a diverse footprints of the body of Christ and I've always always am astonished to see the lack of faith or rather the lack of the understanding of faith of these people it's actually it's 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 astonishing to see and it becomes quite concerning to me because a lot of these people that we pray for and, and people who we counsel, and, and all across the, the nation, many of them are from very prominent churches. 
like very, very well-known, very prominent churches. Some of them are very spiritual churches. Some of them function um, at high levels of spirituality, you know, uh, the prophetic, the, the gifts of the Spirit, um, and um, a lot of these ministries are, are popular and very emotionally charged, you know, very emotionally charged ministries. And I'm starting to see like a pattern. And it's like everybody is getting swept away by this, this like it's, it's like a hype. It's like a hype, this emotional hype, this spiritual hype, this, um, it's kind of like this, it's, an, it's like a superficial, emotional and spiritual kind of a movement or kind of a ministry. And many of these people uh, uh, flow in the prophetic and they, 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 they function in leadership and they pray within leadership and pastors and all of these people. And, um, and then they come to us with challenges and with issues and they have absolutely no spiritual backbone. Nothing. They haven't got a clue how to deal with love, with real love. And it, it, it is astonishing astonishing to me when I see this. And and these people, they'll, they'll, they'll go to the services and, and um, you know, they'll pray and they'll shout, they'll clap, they'll prophesy, they'll function in the spirit. Everything's great. They walk out that Monday, real life hits. Man, they haven't got a cooking clear what to do. Absolutely clueless. And um, and it just starts to look like to me like it's a it's like a deception. It's starting to look like a deception to me. It's starting to look like a deception. And it's hard for me to wrap my mind around it because a lot of these churches I respect as well. But you know, when you start to see how the people in the church function in the basic fundamentals, you start to question now, hang on a second now, because because when Paul was questioned. And he said, listen, don't look at me for, for, for my credentials. Look at my people. They become the written word. That's what he said. Look at my people. They are the living epistle. You become the living word. You become the word. You become the Bible. And, and I, I kind of try to wrap my mind around this. And... It's like many, many churches are pursuing followers. They're pursuing followers, uh, pursuing numbers, pursuing followers, pursuing the likes, pursuing the, the uh, uh, it's like this whole um, culture thing as well. You know, how many likes you've got and how many of this, it's, it's like how many followers. And it's kind of like crept into the church a bit. And the, the churches are so, and not all churches, don't get me wrong, you know. No, no church is perfect, definitely not this one. But I just want to call it like it is. And it seems like there's, there's this pursuit of followers and not disciples. Amen. You've got a whole bunch of, of superficial followers, but they're not got, man, they're not disciples. 
Am I, am I, am I speaking to someone here today? Amen. Are you guys getting an understanding what, I, what I'm saying? You know, and I, I look in the scriptures and I, and I, I look and there's the story where, where Jesus had, he had a whole bunch of followers. A whole bunch of followers. And I love Jesus' ministry. He holds no punches, man. Man, he's, his ministry's got clout. Amen. He says it like it is. Your father's the devil. You're a brood of vipers. Man, he just, you know, listen, if you don't, if you don't pluck your eye out, you know, you're going to go to hell. You know, if you don't cut your hair. Man, I love his ministry. Where's that ministry? <laughs> Where did it go? What happened? Now, everybody's so concerned. They want followers. I, you know, how many numbers we got? I don't want to disappoint the people. We've got to leave you. I've got to get this really emotional harp. You know, I've got to get them going. If they're not standing and clapping in the service or, or, or you know, any of this, you know. Man, and I look at Jesus and, and he just preaches it like it is. Eh? And he, preached, he, he knew, man. He preached the word and it was a deep word. It was a spiritual word. Seventy-five of his followers said, oh, no, no, hang on a second, yeah. No, no, no. Sorry, Jesus. We don't like what you're saying anymore. Doesn't agree with us. Doesn't agree with our lives. And 75 of them walked out of Jesus. They left. 75 left. But there were 12. Just 12. The disciples. Not the followers. <laughs> The disciples, they knew. Jesus saw straight to them. He said, listen, are you going to follow me or not? And they said, Lord, we know you have the word of life. That's more important than anything else. And so they followed Jesus. And you know, too many ministries are trying to play it safe. Don't want to confront them. Don't want to challenge them. Don't want to confront their sin. Just want to work on the emotional heart, but it doesn't work, family. It doesn't work, family, because the people are helpless. They're helpless. Amen? Matthew 28, verse 18, New Living Translation, the first scripture. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given authority in heaven and on earth. Yeah, everything I have, all the authority, all the power, I'm giving it to you. Therefore, go and make followers. What's that? Disciples. disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Preach to these new disciples. What's that? Teach. Teach these new disciples to do what? Obey all the commands I have given you. Wow. I think we've gone a little bit off track, don't you? I think the church has gone a little bit off track. It's either too superficial, it's too supernatural, it's too emotional, or it's just empty. It's just empty. It's one of those. You see, they didn't call Jesus preacher. He had a name. You look in the scripture, they called him rabbi. Rabbi means teacher. I don't see any scriptures in the Bible of Jesus preaching. Not that it's bad. Preaching's good sometimes. But if that's all you've got, 
how do you get equipped? Amen. So scripture says this in Hebrews 11 verse 6 in New Living Translation. It is impossible. Say impossible. It's impossible to please God without faith. And I think that every believer should be concerned about pleasing God. I mean, shouldn't that be like something we should be concerned about? I mean, considering the fact that one day he is going to judge us. Amen. I don't want to be displeasing to him. Amen. And neither should any of us. So it's kind of really important, don't you think? You see, if it's impossible to please God without faith, then we really need to know what is faith, how to get faith, and how to use faith. Amen? That's like really important, right? But so few people know what faith is. Whenever I speak to, to people and, and these people, and, and I'll ask them this question. I'll say, well, tell me. Tell me what is faith. If I didn't know what faith is, tell me what is faith. Well, um, if you believe that you're going to get something, uh, no, 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 sorry. It's not faith. And if we have to start to question ourselves, if, if we can't please God without faith, we need to ask ourselves, well, do we really know what faith is? Amen? If we had to go and, ex if this is like, listen, to please God, I mean, if, if you need to know what faith is, and we go to someone and we've got to tell them, hey, listen, <laughs> this is faith. If you don't know what that is, then you've got a problem. Amen? People make assumptions. Faith is so important that you cannot access grace without faith. Amen? You cannot access grace without faith. You can't go to heaven without faith. Amen? Ephesians 2 verse 8, the New King James Version. For by grace... You have been saved through faith. Wow. Do you know that you can't get anything from God unless you apply faith? doesn't matter how desperate the situation is. It doesn't matter how much you scream and shout and roll around and cry and kick and spit and do whatever you want to do. Unless you function in faith, you cannot receive anything, nothing, nada from God. You can't. It's a spiritual law. Amen? James 1 verse 6. But let him ask in hope, belief, faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. 
So how many of you, when you think that you function in faith, have no doubt? How many of you faith giants out there, when you ask in faith, how many of you have no doubting? You're not in faith. Can I hear the crickets? I want to raise disciples. Amen? Not followers. Many people walk out these doors when I preach. It's fine. It's fine. I want the disciples. Family, listen to me. True faith has no doubt in it. If there is doubt, listen carefully, worry, anxiety, there is no faith. You're out of faith. You're out of faith, you're out of grace. If you are in worry, if you are in anxiety, if you are in doubt, you're out of faith. You've stepped out. Faith's not working. The bridge is, is closed. There's, there can be no transaction from the supernatural realm. You see, a sign of being in faith and that faith is working is peace and rest. Hebrews 4 verse 3, the New, New Living Translation, for only we who believe can enter his rest. That word believe, it's a Greek word, whatever, which means that the definition says this, to have faith. So you can rephrase that scripture and say, for only we who have faith can enter into his rest. So family, a crucial element of faith, crucial, crucial element of faith, is that we need to be acutely aware. The military, and that calls it situational awareness. You have to be acutely aware of if you are in the environment of faith. You have to be acutely aware of, are you in the, 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 the environment or the atmosphere in which faith can work? Because anxiety and worry and fear cancels faith. Actually, fear... Anxiety and worry is faith. It's not godly faith. It's faith in the problem. Amen? When you're worrying about it and you're fearful about it, you are feeding the problem with your faith because faith knows no boundaries. It works for the saved, it works for the unsaved, it just works, it's a law, it's a spiritual law, amen? So you need to be very acutely aware of your situational awareness. And many people, many people lose the battle even before it starts because of this point. 
Amen. So I'm sure many of us, we want this rest. Amen. Do you want that rest? Do you want to be in that position of rest? Do you want to enter into that rest when you know that you can function without doubt and function in the womb of where miracles happen? Amen. I want to say, firstly, that it's, you can't pray for it. You can't simply ask God to give you that rest. It's not something you pray for. Hebrews 4 verse 11 in, in the NRV. Let us make every effort, say effort, to enter that rest. Wow. The ESV says, therefore let us strive to enter the rest. The King James Version says, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Wow. This is getting quite interesting. That word labor is, is the Greek word spudadzo. Well, it's pronounced like that. Which means we must make every effort. We must be prompt, earnest, diligent. We need to endeavor persevere, we need to labor, study. Wow. So, a very important aspect of peace, the very foundation and the atmosphere for faith to work, requires us to work hard. Amen? To labor, to endeavor, to be diligent. Now, this is, this is quite interesting because it seems like a paradox. You know, it, it's, it's, it's like you enter into rest by working hard. What? You know, you, you need to labor to rest. You see, because rest is not a destination, the rest of God. It's not a destination. It is a consistent journey. Amen? It's a consistent journey. We enter into rest. It's a struggle. And you know, family, faith, we generally need faith when, when, when we're, we're in trouble, right? Not when things are kind of working out. That's when we really need faith. It's when we are, we've got our backs up against the wall and uh, the, the time when, when we feel like there's just absolutely no peace around us, that is the time that we need to strive after this peace. Amen? You with me? So it is a struggle. It's not something that, that happens automatically. We actually need to fight to get there. And when we're there, we need to fight to stay there. The scripture says, 1 Timothy 6 verse 12, the New King James Version, fight the good fight of faith. Say this. Say faith is a fight. The scripture says in Hebrews 10 verse 38 in the ESV, but my righteous, wow, shall live by faith. Wow. So God considers us righteous. We are pleasing to God when we live by faith. 
When do you live by faith? When things are bad only or all the time? God gave me this lesson a while ago, which, praise God, I, I, I learned it very quickly. And he said to me, son, he said, don't only pray and live in faith when things go wrong. He said, live every day and be in faith as though they have gone wrong. Amen? Because the wheels fall off and then all of a sudden we fast, we get up early, we pray, we read our Bible, we stop doing the things we shouldn't do, we, and, and we do what we need to do, and then all of a sudden things start to change and things start to turn around, and as they get better, we take our foot off the gas, we carry on, and guess what? The enemy carries on working, builds momentum, things start coming, and before you know it, hits you, blindside, you don't even know it. Amen. And so I used the pea brain that I had, and I saw, wow, this is getting results. And so now, I don't only pray when stuff happens, I pray every day as though stuff had happened. Amen? You see, family, the scripture says, Hebrews 10 verse 38, he says, but my righteous one shall live by faith, but if he shrinks back, if you shrink back from faith, if you pull back from faith, his soul has no pleasure in him. Wow. Well, because it's impossible to please God without faith. So whenever we're in a situation where we need to apply faith, which is usually when our backs up are, uh, are up against the wall, when we start to shrink back from the faith, we are not pleasing to God. We actually enter into an offensive way towards God. Amen? Christians are inherently a people of faith. John 16 verse 33, he said, I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So we can, in a world of trouble and problems, and even in our own problems, we can have this peace. Jesus said so. This peace that we need for our faith to work, we can have it in Jesus despite of the problems. And if we are not in peace, if we are in turmoil and fear, anxiety, worry, we're, we're out of Jesus. We're, we're not in Him where peace is. We are out of him we are out of jesus we are in the world amen say situational awareness and if we remain in christ if we remain in peace if we fight and if we struggle to protect peace to remain in peace it doesn't matter what the storms are raging around us you will always supernaturally get through because God, Jesus Christ, has already overcome every situation. It's not the problem that defeats you. You're your own worst enemy. Faith supernatural. God functions in the supernatural realm. 
And in order for faith to work, in order for miracles to work, in order for testimonies, you need to be in the environment where it can work. It can only work in the environment of peace. In Christ. Amen? Family, only when we are in this atmosphere of faith do we actually give faith an opportunity to work. You've got to get this. Only when you are in this atmosphere of faith is faith working. Amen? Every time you step out of the atmosphere of faith, faith stops. Amen? And you know, just by virtue of the fact that if you get a revelation of that scripture, if you meditate on that scripture, and you meditate that Jesus is saying, listen, in me you can have peace. If you're in me, listen, it doesn't matter what this world throws at you. Listen, this world can be in the absolute turmoil. It doesn't matter whatever your situation is. If you are in me and you are have that peace in me, you can be assured that I will carry you through because every problem you face has been overcome. And so when you start to face the problems of life and the very first thing you do is you realize, hang on a second, this is serious, but you know what? Jesus has overcome this. Amen? And that encourages us. That starts to help us to get in this atmosphere. You see, the spiritual realm, it's, it's like a paradox. You know, it's, it's different to how we think. It, we, we can't function in the natural realm. You know, we, we say we, we believe it when we see it. The spiritual realm says believe it before you see it. You know? There's so many spiritual laws. And, and, and this is just so wonderful that when we enter into that rest that the Lord fights our battles. Isaiah 26 verse 3 in the New King James Version, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Wow. Wow. You see, if we keep our minds fixed stayed why stayed because you're going to be all over the place because look look, life happens amen it's not easy it's a fight it's a fight to stay there and your mind is going to be drawn to the issues drawn to the problems you're going to be tempted to fear tempted to stress but if your mind is stayed on god you will remain in that bubble that atmosphere of peace Every time you lose peace, you know that that is just a symptom of you not being in Him. It's a symptom of your mind is, is focused on other things. And when you focus on the Lord and you have your mind fixed on Him, this is proof that you actually trust Him. Wow. Wow. That, that's actual proof that you trust in God you know despite Lord despite all my problems despite how bad it is despite all of these things Lord Lord I 
I trust in you, God. And that's not something you say, and I'm a person of faith. No, listen, it's in those moments, in those broken moments, in those times when faith really counts, when faith really works, and it's in those moments when you choose to say, Lord, I trust in you. I believe in you. I'm going to keep focused on you. Amen? Wow. Praise Jesus. And family, look, it's natural. It's natural to, to, to when the problems of life come to, to, to buckle a little bit, you know? It's, it's natural when the problems of life hit that, that, that you know, you, you, you feel a little bit wobbly and sometimes you even fall down a little bit, you know? And sometimes, you know, the, the, the weights of the challenges can, can really uh, cause you to, to, to buckle a little bit, you know? I mean, even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he knew his fate, he knew what he was going to go through. He even said, Lord, you know, if there's any way that you could, could, could take this away from me, please do that. But Lord, but, but, but your will be done. And he was, he was so anxious, so anxious to the point that he actually sweated blood. It's a medical condition. So it's not wrong that, that we actually experience these emotions, that we experience these situations, that we experience these things, but it's wrong to stay there. Amen? Because at that point, Jesus prayed and he dealt with it. Amen? And we should, we should know and, and understand and be motivated by the fact that, that when we face these situations in life, firstly, God is with us. He has overcome it for us. He's giving, he's giving us the recipe for the victory. And to be pleasing to God is to believe in and trust in Him. And I'll tell you, that is worth more than the outcome. That is going to count more than the outcome. That's the only things that are going to count one day when you face Jesus. And you need to wrap your mind around this and think of it as opportunities to show that you are a people of faith, to show that you actually trust. Listen, those things are going to pass. But that faith that you have in God, that trust, that pleasing of God, that will never fade. Amen? You see, family, it is the very atmosphere it is the womb in which miracles and testimony testimonies are conceived it's all birthed in absolutely impossible situations amen i mean how many testimonies have you heard where people have come and said wow you know what um man this happened to me and, uh, man, I was so stressed, and I was so worried, and I was running around trying to fix it, and I didn't know what to do, and I had no belief, and I didn't know any trust, and wow, you know what? God came through for me. It was the most amazing thing. Is that how testimonies work? No. It's always a fight. Right? It's always a struggle. It's always an impossible situation. And then another impossible situation. 
and another impossible situation. And a person that says, you know what, although I was going through this, although I was faced with this, I chose to believe in God. And every time this came, I focused on the Lord. I believed in Him. I trusted in His Word. I believed in God. And God came through. Amen. Say this, the very atmosphere for my miracle is found in the problem. Amen? That's where testimonies are made. We were designed to function in that way. None of those people were failed. Amen? That is the thread for testimonies. Amen? And you know, and in all of these tests, because you hear that, man, this happened, and then, and then all of a sudden, man, this happened, you know, and then this happened, and, and it's like, if, if they were fearful, if they gave in, if they never trusted, that first one would have destroyed them. That first one would have been game over. Say relentless trust and belief in God. So let's try and piece this all together. Let's get an understanding. How do we do this? It's one thing saying it, hey, have the peace of God. Oh, well, listen, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm out on the street. I, I, I don't have any class. No, I have the peace of God. It's the atmosphere of miracles. Amen? It's not going to work, right? <laughs> we need to be taught. Amen? So how do we do this? How do we keep our minds on God? What does that mean? Do we just think about God? How do we fix our minds on God? How do we fight the fight? How do we labor? How do we be diligent in studying? Studying what? How do we be in Jesus? How do we find peace? Let's see if we can tie this all together. John 14 verse 8, the New Living Translation. If you had really known me, Jesus speaking, you would know who my Father is. Wow. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said, but Lord, where, where is he? Where's the Father? Is he here? Show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus replied, I have been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still do not know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak, Philip, all scripture, is not my own. But my Father who lives in me does the work through me. Wow. So this is so interesting. Jesus said, if you see Jesus, if you get to know Jesus, if you, if you see the works he does, if you see the words he says, that's all God. That Jesus Christ was in fact the embodiment of God. So if you want to know God on a, on a natural relationship way, get to know Jesus. Amen? Because Jesus said, I do not do anything unless I see the Father do it first. I, do not, uh, I only say what the Father command me to say and how to say it. 
if you want to know your father, look at Jesus. Amen. And then, um, so this kind of starts to, to, to start to, to put the first piece together. Because Isaiah 26 verse 3 said that you will keep him in pers- perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, stayed on God because he trusts you. So if we keep our minds stayed on God, it's to keep our minds stayed on Jesus Christ. Right? If Jesus is God, and if you've, seen, if you've seen Jesus and heard Jesus, you know God, He is God. So to keep our eyes fixed and stayed on God is to keep our eyes fixed and stayed on Jesus. Amen? Because He is the embodiment of God. John 1 verse 1, the Amplified, says, In the beginning, before all time, was the Word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God Himself. Wow. God, Jesus, the Word, one. Amen. So to be in Jesus, and to, can you turn this aircon down a bit? It's a little bit hot. To be in Jesus and to have your mind stayed on God and in perfect uh, peace is to be in the Word of God, in Jesus. The Word. Jesus is the Word. To be in Jesus is to be in the Word. Amen? To have your mind stayed on God is to have your mind stayed on the Word of God. Amen? The struggle and the labor to enter into the rest of God is the struggle and the labor to diligently study the Word of God. To be filled with the Word of God. To live in the Word of God. To live out the Word of God. To believe the Word of God. To trust the Word of God. Because that is believing and trusting Jesus Christ. Say this. I want everybody to participate. Say this. If you get a revelation of this, to say this. To be filled with the Word is to be filled with Jesus. To obey the Word is to obey Jesus. To trust the Word is to trust Jesus. To believe the Word is to believe Jesus. To live in the Word is to live in Jesus. To keep my eyes on the Word is to keep my eyes on Jesus. To depend upon the Word. Actually depend upon the Word is depending on Jesus. Are you starting to get that? Amen. We can trust the promises of God. We can trust the word of God. We can depend and we can have no doubt when it comes to the word of God. Who is Jesus? Amen. You see, family, That's what we base our faith 
on. It's not hope. On its own, we hope, we hope, we hope in hope. We hope, we're hoping, we're hoping in belief. We're hoping in, we're believing in hope and we have no hope, actually. Amen? We don't hope in hope. We hope in Jesus, the Word. We don't just believe on maybes and ifs and possibilities. We believe in the promises of God, the Word. Amen? You see, because Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, faith is the substance of what you're hoping for. It's the evidence of what you do not see. And too many people are hoping in what you don't see, but there's no evidence. There's no substance. But the Word of God is evidence. It's substance. Amen. When you're facing challenges and you go to that word and you proclaim that word, you are believing in something. Amen. Substance, evidence. Romans 10 verse 17, the New King James Version. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen. If you do not have any word, if you do not have any promises in any situations you face, you do not have faith. You've got uh, uh, hopes and assumptions and maybes. You're not in faith. Hoping's not going to do it. Faith does it. The promises of God does it. The word of God, Jesus does it. If you're facing situations in your life and you do not have any promises from the Bible, you do not have any faith. You're out of faith. How can you ever be in peace if you don't have that? It's just doubt there. It's like, listen, this is 50-50. Amen? You see, family, when all Natural hope is gone. That's the perfect time where we put our hope in the promises of God and we allow the promises of God, the Word of God, from which all creation was made, the Word of God, Jesus, to start to change and transform the situations. Amen. And I'm going to close with this scripture, such a, Powerful scripture. It's about the story of Abraham. God started his redemptive plan to rescue mankind through the seed of one man. God came into covenant and agreement with Abraham and said, Abraham, through you, I'm going to bless you with with, with um the, the lineage of Christ, all of the believers, we are all of the natural seed of Abraham. Amen? And he said, Abraham, through you, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. You will be the father of many nations. This is, this is where it all began for us. 
This is our starting point. This is it. This is, a, this is our DNA. Amen? Romans 4 verse 18, the Amplified Classic. For Abraham, who in human reason for hope was gone. Totally hopeless. All human reasoning of hope was gone. And when he had no hope, he hoped in faith. That he should become the father of many nations as he had been promised. So numberless shall be your descendants. And he didn't weaken in faith. He didn't even consider the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead. Because he was about a hundred years old. And not only that, his wife Sarah was completely barren. Her womb was deadened. But no unbelief or distrust made him waver or doubting and questioning concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. Wow. Wow, this is so mind-blowing. So God, in, through the lineage of, of all Christianity, all of us, every Christian on this planet, even the birth of Jesus, God chooses someone who is 100 years old as good as dead. That's what the scripture says. With a wife who is good as dead. A womb is barren. It's clear. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen there. Amen? It's kind of game over. And I look at this, I think, God, well, why didn't you choose like a young, strapping, healthy couple, you know, to birth the lineage of Jesus? Why? Because he's a God of faith, family. <laughs> he's a God of faith. He was showing us this is your DNA. It's not to play safe. It's not to, to, to just everything to go work well. You were designed to overcome the impossible family. That is your very DNA of faith. Amen. And the scripture says that he didn't even worry about all of this. Why? Because he kept his eyes stayed on God. He kept his eyes focused on the promise. Yes, he knew his wife's womb was dead. Yes, he knew it was all he was in the circumstances. But for faith to work, he would look at the promises of God. He would, he would meditate on the promises of God. He would focus on the promises of God. And then he would start to praise God for those promises that were not even manifest. But as he started to say, Lord, you know what? I don't have this. 
I don't see this. Everything's a mess. But you know what? I thank you because I got a promise. And I praise you for this promise. And I worship you for this promise. And the devil wants to remind him. He says, no, devil, I've got a promise. And this is the promise. And I'm focusing on this. And I'm going to praise you, God. And I'm going to worship you, God. And as he praises God and as he worships God, faith grows stronger. And the atmosphere of miracles starts to be conceived. And then the miracle happens. Family, your DNA is to overcome the impossible. That's where it all started. That is your assignment. That's not going to change, family. That's not going to change. You can do it, family. You can do it. You have everything that you need, family. Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus a praise. Praise you, Jesus Christ. Isn't the word just mind-blowing? Doesn't this blow your mind? So amazing. God is so good. Everything we need is there. Amen. Amen. Praise Jesus. You guys get something this morning? Did you enjoy that? Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. The word, family, if you could understand... The power of that beautiful word. Wow. Family, before we close the service, I just want to quickly give everyone an opportunity to get to know this wonderful Jesus. Scripture says that there was a man, Nicodemus, who represented the church. He came to Jesus, and Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, listen, unless you're born again, you're not going to see heaven. Nicodemus said, well, what do I do? Do I crawl up my mother's womb? Jesus said, no, Nicodemus, it's a spiritual thing. Nicodemus, church, it doesn't matter how religious you are. You have to be born again. It's a spiritual law. And so he, and and you wonder, well, well, how do I get born again? What do I do? Well, Romans 10 verse 9 says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be spiritually born again. The Spirit of God will take residence in you. Amen? And you might say, well, how do I know? How do I test this? Well, Romans 8 verse 16 says the Holy Spirit himself will tell you, he'll testify with with you that you are God's child. So I just want to ask everybody to just bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute. I just want to check your heart. Are you ready to face Jesus? If you had to die tonight and you knew you are going to breathe your last breath, Would you know without any question of doubt that you will step into his presence? Are you born again? Have you had that born again experience? Or is your heart saying, oh man, I'm not sure. Well, you need to be sure, family. And in a moment, we're going to pray the prayer. And I want to invite you in a moment to join in and participate in this prayer. Some of you, God is even ministering on your heart and he's saying, child, I need you to respond today. And you might say, well, I'm born again. I'm serving the Lord. doesn't matter. Jesus is our Lord and we obey him. And so in a moment, if you sense and you want to give your life to Jesus and you feel, hang on, things are just not right. Or maybe you just want to make a recommitment. Or maybe God is just ministering to you. I want to ask you to put up your hand now. One, two, three. Hands up. Hands up. Hands going up everywhere. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. There's still more of you that need to put your hands up. You're in good company. You're in good company. 90% of the whole congregation has their hands up, even the leaders, even those in ministry. Why? Because we just obey Jesus.
that simple. You're in good company. I want to invite you again. Counts of three, raise your hand. Be bold. One, two, three. Put your hands up. There we go. Put your hands up. There we go. Hands going up. Praise Jesus. It's very important, family. It's very important. The Bible says this. It says, if you, Jesus said, if you do not acknowledge me before men, I will not acknowledge you before the Father. If you can't acknowledge God in this place where there is no one looking around, you cannot acknowledge him outside. Praise Jesus. He loves the humble, obedient servants. I just sense in my heart, there's more people. I'm going to give you this one last opportunity. One last opportunity. Be bold. Raise your hand now in Jesus' name. One, two, three. Up in Jesus' name. Here we go. Here we go. The Lord sees your hands. The Lord sees your hands. He sees your hands. He sees you all. Humble, obedient servants of Almighty God. Now pray this prayer after me to Jesus. And I want to ask everyone to pray this prayer, please, just to support everyone who hasn't raised their hands. Just say this. Say, Father, I hear you calling me. I sense you moving on my heart. Thank you that you value me so much, that you love me so much, that you keep calling me, keep drawing me. And so today I respond. I invite you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord of my life, to step right in and take control. I repent of my wicked ways. I've made many mistakes and will make many more. But I thank you for your mercy and your grace. I ask you to forgive me, to wash me, to push the reset button, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now fill me with your spirit, your power, your love. Just fill me with you, Lord. You all I want. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen.